0: Um, a, a quick update on my son Ian. Um, we had round three of chemotherapy this, just this week, so we're at the halfway point. Um, it's once a month, so this will continue into January, and um, I think we have a scan coming up soon so that to see how it's working. So I uh, would appreciate your prayers continuing there, but he is his usual irrepressible Grateful for life, self, and so very grateful for him and uh, for all the support. I did want to say, you know, with um, with it being flu season and cold season and COVID, it started ramping up. You may have noticed I've stepped even further back. I'm trying to navigate being in indoor spaces and how close to be with people in proximity, and and that's hard to do as a pastor, right? (laughs) It's just it's just not the nature of the business. Um, So. I've, I know i've haven't been in your space as much, and um I miss you, I think is what I want to say i just I'm just missing it um, so a few more months of this uh, hopefully so okay let's pray, loving God, we thank you for the gift uh of this gorgeous day. we thank you for this church and um, this place that we can come and stretch our minds and hear from you, so be with us in uh, your Word to us this morning. We pray in Christ's name, amen. So I know um, that what's happening in Israel and and Gaza right now um, weighs heavily on all of our hearts, and you know, really there are no words, um, there are no words for the horror of what the Hamas militants did to innocent Israelis, and there are no words for what innocent Palestinians are living in right now. Um, It's all just a nightmare. And I want to make clear that while the the thoughts in the sermon today come out of my reflecting on what's happening, I, I don't mean them as a response to what is happening. Because there's, there's nothing that I can think, at least, to say that makes any, any sense of what's happening presently. So instead I found myself not thinking so much about the present but the future, the very long term and the, and the very big picture. So that's where I'm coming from this morning. Um, you know, much of the conversation right now, understandably, I suppose, is about blame about who is responsible for what and about what is or isn't justified. But from a a big picture lens, I want to ask you this morning just to see it as pain, just human pain. You know, so much of our life and, and certainly our spiritual life and our spiritual work is about what we do with pain. You've heard the saying probably that, that pain that we don't transform is pain that we will transmit to others. But how do you transform pain? That's what I'd like us to think about this morning. So I sometimes think of pain as, a, as like a thing, like a substance, like something that each of us carries around, like a, a sack of flour. Some of us are lucky, and we have relatively small sacks. Some of us have to carry much larger sacks than we deserve. And, and this pain that we all carry, it, it's, it's unpredictable, you know, pain often acts not like a sack of flour, but more like a virus or a fire. Sometimes it, it dies out unexpectedly. And other times it erupts and savagely, disproportionately. Pain it, it is not reasonable. It's, it's not measured. It's not predictable. It doesn't, it doesn't care about being fair. And so when, when two parties are locked in an exchange of their pain, whether that's in a marriage or two countries, very quickly both sides can feel that they have suffered disproportionately and both sides are right and, and they keep looking for fairness and they don't find it and so this cycle of violence begins that's very hard to break. In the conflict between Hamas and Israel It is hard to see much hope that that cycle could ever break. We all know that if if Israel succeeds in its stated goal of destroying Hamas, they are going to do terrible human damage in the process. And Palestinian children, totally innocent of all of this, will understandably grow up and they will hate Israel. And some of those children will grow up and become the new leaders of a new Hamas, and the violence will continue. And we know it. Israelis know it. Palestinians know it. And we can't seem to stop it. Thus is the disproportionate, unfair power of pain. But I do have hope in the long term. I do not believe we are destined to be trapped in these cycles of violence forever. And as horrific as what's happening is, there is much to suggest if we look at the long term that we are ever so slowly evolving, that we are becoming wiser. And more compassionate and more connected as human beings. And I believe that as a species we are very slowly waking up to the fact that we are a part of an intricate web, not just of humanity, but of life. That we are all like individual cells 7 billion individual cells making up one larger organism and and the consciousness that is looking out of my eyes comes from the very same source of the consciousness looking out of your eyes and the same out of the eyes of the black bear and the bluebird and the bumblebee it's all one life And as we wake up to that fact, and not just as an idea here, but when we learn how to experience this in that way, the last thing we want to do then is inflict pain on another being, because it's become real to us then that we are them, and they are us, and it's just one life. Now I know maybe this all sounds like mumbo-jumbo I picked up at a New Age bookstore, and I will admit I have been influenced, I have been influenced by a certain long-haired, sandal-wearing guru who said some pretty New Age stuff in his day, and one of the craziest things he said was that you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law of Israel, by the way. It's in Leviticus, Exodus, the law of the land. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go a second mile. And you've heard it was said that you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. None of that makes any sense from the individual level. not from the vantage point of my pain, It only begins to make sense if you can see from the position of our pain, when we see it as a whole, when we see ourselves as a part of a collective body with a collective pain, when we can learn to begin to see as God sees. Jesus is asking us to see the world through the eyes of love and to try to act from that love, which doesn't mean that we should let people walk all over us. It it doesn't mean we should never defend ourselves. It doesn't mean that if we're in an abusive relationship that we should just stay and take it. Of course not. That's not what he's saying. Doing the most loving thing might very well involve defending ourselves or someone we love. But we can do that without seeking revenge, without giving hate for hate. That comes out of our pain, not out of love. And then he does ask us to go further and say where we can to actually absorb pain of others. Which as hard as that sounds to do, I will remind you that you already do that with those you love all the time. Jesus is just asking us to expand the circle of who we love. When your partner comes home from the madness that is Costco and snaps at you, snaps at you when you ask what's for dinner, what do you do? You don't snap back. When your husband has been working on his sermon all day (laughs) and it doesn't seem to be going well and he snaps at you when you have some very reasonable request, what do you do? You don't snap back. When the pain of someone you love comes out sideways and pokes you in the eye, what do you do? You don't poke them back in the eye. Why? Because you love them. Love shows mercy. Love forgives. Love absorbs pain. And that's how pain gets transformed. every time that we can turn the other cheek or go the second mile and not in an abusive or victimized way, but in the thousand chances that we have to absorb another person's pain every day, every time we do that, I believe a little bit of the world's collective pain gets healed. And I know that doesn't seem adequate, given the gaping wound that is Israel and Gaza right now. But most of us can do very little to heal that pain. So let's heal the pain we can. I said at the beginning that pain doesn't care what's fair, that it acts disproportionately. Well, the good news is the same is true of love. Real love doesn't keep score. It gives itself away. It knows that we are all connected to and a part of everyone and everything, and to heal you is to heal me, and that no act of compassion is wasted. Pain transformed by love anywhere adds to the healing everywhere. And so even though the progress is agonizingly slow, Maybe having faith in the evolution and doing our part for the revolution of that long haired sandal wearing guru, maybe that's the most important thing we can do right now.